You want to do the commercial? If you like the way this podcast sounds. And we know you do. You should check out our friend Johnny Cornegay, a.k.a. J. Ray, at static, S-T-A-T-I-C-C dot com. Hello and welcome to another episode of B49, the podcast. I am the Bachelor Party King, Mashawn D. Simon. Oh, and I am Queen <laughs> B. <laughs> that threw me up. I felt like I needed a title. Hey, I told you to be ready for anything. All right. It's Ashley. You are Janae. the Duchess of Crazy Text. Okay, let's go with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. How are you today, friend? I'm pretty good. Pretty good? Mm-hmm. I'm actually great. I'm great. You're great. Mm-hmm. You're great. Having fun? Yes, I'm nervous. He looking at me with the crazy eyes, y'all. Why? Why be nervous? What you about to say? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> hello. Hello? Hello? Hello, hello. Hey, hello. Uh-uh. Hello. Erica. <clears throat> You're excited about this episode? I am. We got a lot happening in this episode. Come on with it then. Let's go. Why are you really, playing? We're going to really be talking about, um, look. I'm in charge of this episode. You're right. I'm going to so shut up. I'm going to hush. Let me, you know. Yes, sir. You have a takeover spirit. I have a retaliatory spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I never claim that I have a takeover spirit. You didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I just like things done right. Well, you know. Go ahead. The people waiting. We're all waiting. Exactly. Takeover spirit. See? <laughs> 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 so, Okay. I have a question for you, but before I ask you this question, um, you saw the episode of Black Mirror, right? Striking Vipers? Yes. Um, what did you think about that? I thought the episode, well, first of all, they were in love. That's first of all. Okay. They were definitely in love. And there was a lot of um, unresolved something uh-huh. there in their relationship. Uh-huh. I feel like it could happen. Like uh-huh. I feel like we're like, because VR is like huge right yes, now. Yes, yes, and yes. 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 We're just moving into that type of world where you're like in a world. So, so for those that are unfamiliar, Black Mirror is a special on Netflix. Um, it is in its fifth season. Mm-hmm. And there was an episode, um, episode one, called Striking Vipers that had um, Anthony Mackie in it, who I love. He is such an amazing he is. actor. He really is. And so the premise of the show was there were these two friends who are huge video game buffs. And some time has passed. They used to be roommates along with Anthony Mackie's character's girlfriend, who then becomes his wife. And some time passes. And when we see them again, they're at Anthony Mackie's character's birthday party. And this old friend, former roommate, shows up and gives him a gift of um, this video game. But it's like the advanced version of this video game they used to play when they were roommates called Striking Vipers. And in the episode, well, when they were playing it, when they were roommates, they would always pick the same characters, an Asian woman and an Asian man. And so when they do it this time, years later, um, there's a virtual reality component to it where you stick this little virtual reality mini ball Mm -hmm. on On your temple temple, and you are thrown into the game. So spoiler alerts at some point, (laughs) 
these two black men who are seemingly straight end up having sex in this video game via this Asian man and this Asian woman. And there were all these conversations being had about it. And I said, like Ashley, agreed that to some extent, if they weren't in love, there was this love that they had for each other and this connection that I think was about so much more than just two men being sexually interested. Like there was a bond, there was a connection, there was something really deep between these two black men who saw themselves as very heterosexual men um, in their lives. And throughout the episode, there are these um, scenes of them like either sleeping with other women or checking out other women, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> but I had said that for me, it was interesting to see it because it spoke to the ways in which um, black men are not always allowed an opportunity to really like explore their sexual interest um, and their sexual identity because in a lot of ways those can be two different things. Um, and so I appreciated seeing that, but at the same time I struggled with the utilization of these other characters for them to express themselves. But I get it because not very often do black men um, have the opportunity to really explore who they are and how they are. Mm -hmm. So was your issue with the fact that they had to explore it in the game or was it the literal vehicles, the Asian man and the Asian woman? Because someone, someone who we talked to said that she felt like it was like they, they, we were fetishizing, mm -hmm. fetishizing Asian um, people. Asian people. Mm -hmm. So w w which one is it? Was it the people or was it the fact that they could only explore it through the game? It was a both end. Okay. It was here. These, here these two men were struggling to figure out what it was that what was the bond or the connection that they had with each other and that they had to engage it or exercise it in a game. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, they utilized almost fetishizing these other characters from another culture because it was safer to do it that way. Have you ever dated someone who was like a big no, video you know, game I ain't dated nobody, so no. I mean, you've dated people. I mean, it may not have been mm -hmm. like, a whole lot, but... No, to answer your question, no. Mm. No. I want to see what that's like. I don't. Really? No, what for what? Because I think that's fun. You know I'm a social experiment. Your social experiment. experiment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be your social experiment. You're Michelle always going to be my guinea pig, actually. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. are, are we done? <laughs> We're going to take a break. And we'll be right back. <laughs> hey, friends. I like that. Do you like the way this podcast sounds? I hope you do because we are loving it. And we must thank our friend Johnny for all the work and commitment that he is doing to making sure that we sound the best on B49, the podcast. So check him out at static.com. That is S-T-A-T-I-C-C.com. What are you doing? What, what I'm trying is, to find my notes again. Uh, on Instagram? Your notes yeah, on Instagram? Well, it's, it's a screenshot, oh, Nosey. So it's a mm, screenshot of Instagram. So oh. just proceed. I just saw worry about yourself. Food. That's all it was. I was like, is this another one of your black keto things? Which we are going to talk about. But anyway, so this next segment, we were curious because, you know, I'm a social experimenter. And I'm Ashley just nosy. It's a social media maven. That too. And, mm -hmm. 
And so we polled a few people. Well, I took to Facebook. Well, I also tried on Instagram, but that didn't play out too well for me. I actually got a lot more responses on Instagram, and all of my responses are from Facebook. But we polled our followers um, and asked them um, one very simple question. Um, what aren't black folks discussing? What are, what are topics that black folks should be discussing but aren't? Right? That's right. Okay. And, and so this next segment is going to be sort of our reactions to, well, I don't know what Ashley's going to do because, you know, she can be a little rebellious sometimes. Okay. So she's probably and? just going to be like, there was this one post. That's literally what I'm going to do. <laughs> See, I told you. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I know her well enough to know. I know my little sis. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go you go ahead. What okay. was What was the response that stood out? So to I you? feel like I, I definitely, I definitely want to revisit this at some point mm-hmm. and talk about some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. But the one that really hit home for me, and it was like, it was the Lord because Hallelujah. Um, it came, it came Shondo. back around to me today. I so you finished. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the one that, stood out to me that I'm experiencing right now is um, black folks need to talk about Hollywood honoring racially motivated terror, i.e. when they see us in Fruitville Station. Wow. Yeah. What is, wow. Okay. Okay. Expound. So yeah, I'm going to unpack it a little bit for you guys. So, um, so f- personally, when they see us came up, mm-hmm. it's come up a few times. So everyone knows, I'm sure, by the time this, this gets out, most of you would have already seen When They See Us, the great series by Ava DuVernay. Mm-hmm. And um, I have yet to watch it. Me too. Because um, I feel like it would be a horror. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like being mad at people. I don't feel like being mad. I don't feel like being emotional. I don't mm-hmm. feel like crying. Like 13th. Ava's documentary like sat with me for days. I couldn't sleep. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And um, this, I feel like this would be the same. I saw somebody on one of my uh, people on Instagram mm-hmm. posted in his story that he hadn't watched it for the same reason. Mm-hmm. And um, this morning, my best friend texted me and she was like, "Hey, let's watch when they see us." So we have like this thing where we we binge watch shows together, mm-hmm. and if we're really excited about a series or a movie, like we can't watch it right. without the other one. Mm-hmm. So I hadn't said anything. Like it's been out for weeks at this point, and I hadn't said anything because I don't think I want to watch it. Okay. And so when she texted me that this morning, I said, "Well, I think I'm scared. I think I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared to watch I'm scared, it. Y'all. I'm scared to watch it. And I'm gonna give you permission to go ahead and check it out. Oh, wow. Without me." Um, because I'm just not ready. Yeah, I'm yeah. not ready. And we've seen, um, so, so I don't know what the thought was behind this person responding okay. to me in that way. Yeah. I don't know if they thought it was a positive thing as far as like shedding light on things that we've gone through as a people, okay. or if they thought it was a negative thing, if it's making us relive trauma, mm-hmm. um, which is real. Like for instance, my dad, he grew up in Mississippi in the 1960s. So if there's anything, if there's a movie that kind of goes back to that time period, civil rights movement, um, anything in the, in that vein, mm. he, he's, not he, interested. He, he's staunchly will say no. Wow. Um, because that was his lived horrible ass yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, and so, I, I just that that stuck out to me because this when they see us kept coming up. 
Yeah. And this person mentioned it. It's been on my mind. Other people have been saying it out there on social media. Um, so yeah, that was that okay. was my one thing. I mean, so when they see us came out, you know, by the time this gets out, it was what late May, early June. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in St. Louis with my in-laws for a family reunion, and some of the cousins like just kept watching it, and mm-hmm. we were like, "Why? Why, why would you want to do that? <laughs> like, why are you doing this right now? First, yeah, we're kind of late to this." Reunion cookout, we got to go. But there was one cousin in particular who just could not stop watching it. and But at the same time, it's getting more and more angry. Mm-hmm. Angrier and angrier mm-hmm. as she watched it. And we were like, girl, like turn it off. But she was so glued to it. It was very much like that whole can't look away from an accident mm-hmm. as it's about to happen. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I don't want to see this right now. I don't want to deal with this. I don't. Because I know I'm probably going to be angry at people mm-hmm. and I don't know what that's going to look like yeah. coming out of me. Um, and if we were in a different political climate, like if this had come out during the Obama years, then maybe I would be, I would feel less, um, there would be less of a visceral like reaction to it. I don't even know if it would have come out during the Obama years. I feel that's like because too. of the climate we are in right now, it had to come out. I mean, look at who's in the White House and the fact that this individual played a role in the the punishment that these young men received for something they did not do mm-hmm. and how this individual who's in the White House who, just FYI, I refuse to say his name. So even when I write anything about him, it's the individual in the White House or the alleged 45th president of the United <laughs> States. Uh, but during that time, he was putting out ads in newspapers saying, you know, in a sense, get these boys for what they did. So I think because of the climate we're in and the space we're in right now, it is necessary for this I was going to say a necessary evil it's kind of. It's a very necessary mm-hmm. evil. Hmm. So when you do watch it, we have to sit down. Yeah, I'll watch it one, one of these good old days. Let me know when you decide to watch it and then I'll watch it. Okay. And we'll, then we can talk We can about come it. back to it. Mm-hmm. So I got like... 22 responses um, to the poll, all of them on Facebook except for one, Um, one that I received on Instagram, and the person just said, reparations. (laughs) We we put this out on Juneteenth, too, so I think... think That might have been what happened. They were like, reparations! Give me my 40 acres. No, I'm not going to touch this one. (laughs) But we'll talk about reparations in the next segment, because... I have this very interesting philosophy okay. around strip clubs and reparations. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so many of the responses I got, they were very diverse, but there was one topic that kept coming up time and time again. Um, and it had to do with like financial responsibility, credit, wills, entrepreneurship. Uh, and so I was like, hmm, what is this? What does this mean when I'm getting this so many times from so many people? Uh, Because right now, my husband and I are in the process of getting all of our ducks in a row so we can buy a house. Mm -hmm. And it has been an enlightening experience, uh, a very stressful process. And when I say stressful, what I'm really saying is it... 
it's creating these, we have these moments of like, we've done all this stuff. We're really, really excited. We're like, okay, let's see. We go talk to the mortgage broker and he's like, eh, mm-hmm. what about this? What about this? What about this? And so when we have to stop, um, deal with the emotions of, ugh, thought we were ready. And then do this work, do this work, do this work and go back to the mortgage broker again. And so we have been working at this for about a year now. But some people say that's a good thing, like spending a year to get your stuff ready so that you can buy a house so you can have the best possible deal um, so you don't end up being house poor um, is a smart process. But it is there's something to be said, I think, when it seems to be the topic that's coming up for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, I got a few of those as well. Like financial stability. Generational wealth. Generational mm-hmm. wealth. Um, debt. Credit. Um, even someone said something like shame around mm. um, financial mm. struggles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's like... That's real. Hmm, very real. Very, very real. And so it's making me... Uh, for some people who don't know, my husband is a small business owner. Um, shout out these qualities, designs. And uh, he is pretty much like, you know, he's doing it, like making it happen. And it's been incremental. Uh, but it has also caused me to think about what ways, in what ways can we support other black, young, creative, or business-minded people to help them advance their businesses, to help them advance their dreams, to help them get their businesses off the ground, to help them um, learn and know what it means um, to be viable business owners and, and, and financially, personally financially healthy so I've been thinking about at my church doing like some small business owner workshops mm-hmm. or some financial well-being workshops or um, credit one-on-one type talks um, and doing a series of them because it seems as though people are looking for it. Like people, people are looking this. for it. And I think people recognize that generationally, since we came to this country, we've yeah. been um, just disadvantaged yeah. just at the, I mean that's the lightest way of putting it um and it's it's encouraging that folks are recognizing that that this generation is recognizing that um but it's like what what concrete things can we do yeah. and should we do to affect an entire generation yeah. you know what I mean like how do we really break the cycle how do we really educate our kids one of the responses that I got was um, teaching kids about credit in mm-hmm. high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was very specific, mm-hmm. but important. Because, yeah. I mean, it's it starts then. Sometimes it starts before then, unfortunately, for some kids who got light bills in their name at seven. Um, <laughs> but That's yeah, a like, whole nother episode. <laughs> right. Light bills, phone bills, gas bills. See, like, yeah. how do you, how can you be set up for success when your mom and them didn't? And screwed, and screwed you your... up before you even knew what it was. I got a friend who is still trying to clean up her stuff from some stuff that her mama did. Wow, to her, like for so, a year. So, so how do we? How do we? How do we affect the generation? Like, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Do you know? Maybe we should poll some people and see what their responses are. Maybe, and then we go from there. And people are creative, so maybe some people have been thinking about this. Maybe, hmm. I think social media is going to help. Yeah. Social media is a gift and a curse. Yeah. I feel like people are learning. I see a lot of folks, millennial folks, talking about finance mm-hmm. um, on social media. So I don't know. And we did go to that workshop about Gen Zers. Mm-hmm. 
So they and how they communicate through they social might, media. Yeah, they might have some answers for us. They might. They say they're gonna change the world. Well, you know, they might. I feel some type of way though, because like now the the, now the, the focus is like shifting off of millennials, which I'm millennial, and now they're like Gen Z, Gen Z. You'll be all right. <laughs> Y'all will be fine. That's the problem with millennials. They, they think everything circles back to them. It does. It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't. It doesn't. Sounds like a hater. I'll be that. Mm-hmm. That's fine. <laughs> well, great. This has been fun. Let's let's take a break, a mm-hmm. quick break, and come back and talk about strip clubs and reparations. All righty. I really wish y'all could hear <laughs> some of the stuff we be doing when we be in between these breaks. <laughs> like the fact that I told Ashley she was going to be my baby mama. <laughs> she made this face. As long as you can, I can pay child you. support mm-hmm. every month. Every month? Mm-hmm. Uh, I send you a box of diapers <laughs> every two weeks. <laughs> so you want to intro this? Um, I want to make love in this club. In this club, in this club. <laughs> I was like, first, what's up. happening? So, a few weeks ago. No, a few days ago. A few days ago. <laughs> 48 hours ago. Oh, Jesus. I'm still a little drunk, y'all. I'm sweating and all this alcohol <laughs> is coming out of me. Um, by the time this airs, um, some months would have passed. But uh, a few days ago, I was responsible for planning the bachelor party for my oldest friend now this oldest friend is a heterosexual black man who i first came out to when we were in the fourth or fifth grade the first person you came out to right first person Mm -hmm. i ever came out to and so this person has been an integral part of my life for the majority of my life and the first person to ever Embrace me and accept me for who and all I am. And so when I got married, June 23rd of 2018, he and the woman I thought was just his girlfriend also came to the wedding. And I found out as they were leaving my wedding reception that they (laughs) were engaged. And the first thing I said was, oh, great. So I'm going to get to officiate your wedding. And she paused. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, maybe, maybe she's not. not a fan of that. <laughs> um, some weeks later, I got a text message. <laughs> yes, he asked me via text if I would do him the honor of being his best man. And I first was like, oh, are you sure? And then I was like, I'm honored. First reason why I paused was because I don't have a lot of heterosexual male friends. I, he's probably one of like two. Mm-hmm. And I never imagined I would be serving in the role of a best man for a heterosexual wedding. For all the drama and baggage and stereotypes that come with that. That we um, should definitely unpack at some point. Yes, we should. I am his best man. And so I was, I was responsible for putting together his bachelor party. So come on now, uh, give us the deep. <laughs> so I'm slowly building up to this because I'm Slow like, is right. Come on. Ooh. So let me just say this before I get there. 
I had no idea what I was doing. I, no, <laughs> I had no idea. I, I didn't even know, like, what's a good club to go to? You know, what do you do at a bachelor party? Um, do you rent a booth? Do you, like, no clue. Like, do you order a bottle? Like, I, I had no clue. And so I did what any gay man who is the best <laughs> man of a heterosexual wedding would do. I called the man's gay lesbian cousin. <laughs> and I said, girl, listen, I need your help because I have no idea what I am doing. So we ended up going to this club. I don't, should, I, should I say the name? What kind of club? You don't have to say the name, but give us the kind of club. We went to a strip club. Ooh. Um, women. Some scrippers. Black women. Big booty scrippers. There were a few. There was one stripper who had to have been maybe six five. Wow, she's a stallion. And gorgeous. And she was giving him a private dance. Mm-hmm. And oh Lord. Wait, hold on. You talking about his business? His wife might be listening. Uh, girl, whatever. <laughs> she knew what we were doing. Okay. And this girl bent all the way over and put her head. She was standing straight up. She bent all the way over and put her head through her legs. Wow. Why she was booty talent. And I was just like, what the? Just in awe. He ain't never seen nothing like that. <laughs> While at the same time, not trying to look. Because <laughs> I did not. I did, there were some things I did not want to see. Mm-hmm. There were some things. It, the moment, what didn't you want to see? I didn't want to see. <laughs> I'm just curious. I, what didn't you want to see? I didn't want to see. You want to see no pom pom? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I did not want to see. I will say this experience more than anything solidified the fact that I am a gay man. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> if, if nothing more, I was just like, Mm-mm. ain't nothing in here appealing. There was a period of time when I was sitting looking at the rest of the men in the club like, what are you so mesmerized about? I mean, and they were just like in awe, mm-hmm. like dumbfounded. Homer Simpson drool down the side of my, and I'm just like, why? Not that I don't, you know, I think women are beautiful. Mm-hmm. We just, just don't do anything for you. Nothing <laughs> at all. <laughs> Not a thing. Um, but it was an intriguing, intriguing, intriguing experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as someone who was a social experimenter, um, I very much was in this space of just observing and being highly entertained. So I spent a good portion of the night giggling. Mm-hmm at them like giggling at everything that was happening around me so we were there from like 9 30 10 o'clock to like almost 1 Mm a.m from the moment we hit from the moment we walked in it was like hey baby you want to dance hey baby you all right hey baby you good like all night i've never experienced anything like that before I sort of had this idea of, you know, what you see on TV. Like, they're dancers on the stage. They're dancing. They're gyrating. You go up and you give them a few dollars. You make it rain, whatever. You might stick a dollar or two in their G-string and move on. Mm-hmm. There were girls on the stage, but nobody was paying attention to them because mm. there were all these other women floating mm. all over the space and getting private, giving private dances for $5. $5? Five dollars? Five dollars? Five whole dollars. One girl got $25 out of us in one sitting because, for one, her booty was 
humongous. And she was able to stretch her leg to one end of our table while isolating her booty cheeks one at a time. Mm, that's and we were like, girl. And I looked at her at one point and said, do you sit at home and rehearse that? <laughs> she got to. Yeah. Practice made perfect. Because I'm like, how do you do that? Wow. It was an experience. Would I go back? Mm, probably not. Um, <laughs> Why would you? Right. Um, just, was there anything unexpected? Was there a, a revelation that was unexpected that came out of it? Yeah. So my whole idea around strip clubs and reparations okay. was uh, a revelation. So how is how are they... So I was having this conversation with another mutual friend of ours about there was a period of time throughout the night where I was really struggling with what was happening in the space and the ways in which like patriarchy was was yes. very present. That's very that was uh, yes. Hey baby, how you doing? Men mm-hmm. like to be catered to. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. And this whole catering to men, men sort of sitting back, um, led spread, just being serviced, mm-hmm. being being catered to, being you know being. Um, the king of the castle. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it was just like, this is problematic for me yeah. because once again, here are women being used. But then it, it flipped because I then had this other thought of, but wait a minute. The women are actually the ones who are yep. in control. Mm-hmm. Like they are fully aware of how to get a man to respond a certain way to get what they want yes. out of the situation. Yes. And so there is this flip, like this reutilization of oppression hmm. to obtain empowerment and authority. And these women are walking away with stacks of $5 bills as a result of it. This is reparations. Like, literally, it was like, this is rep- this it's, is what we've been trying, <laughs> this is what we've been trying to get after for so long. <laughs> but it's kind of like internal reparations, because I feel like strip clubs are very segregated. Yes, they are. So... It was a black strip club. It was a black strip club. Mm-hmm. It was black strippers. Mm-hmm. Mostly black men. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. But not all the men were straight either. Okay. I, was, I wasn't the only you gay man there. in okay. the space. Um, there were two other men that we sort of suspected mm-hmm. were gay. And they were, it didn't seem as though they were being entertained from the perspective of, in the same way that the straight men were. It wasn't a sexual thing. Right. But the women were still making money off of them too. And they were making money off of them in other ways, like interacting with them, sitting around talking with them, smoking hookahs, et cetera, et cetera. So, so what, would, what was their motive in being there? I feel like it might have just been one, either entertainment or they knew the strippers. Okay. I think one of them, I'm assuming, because I don't know, but I, I walked away with this mindset of, I think he was friends with one of the strippers. And so he was coming and hanging gotcha. out. And they were still making money off of that. Mm-hmm. So they were still getting their reparations. Hmm. So it's just reparations for black women is what you're mm-hmm. saying. From mm-hmm. black men. Yep. Hmm. Strip clubs or reparations. For black women specifically. That's fine. But it's still <laughs> Somebody getting it. Somebody getting reparations. Somebody getting their money. <laughs> Somebody getting their money from the system. And this is a system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting you say that because I've only been to one strip club my mm-hmm. whole life. Mm-hmm. And it was Swinging Richards. Mm-hmm. For those of you who aren't from Atlanta, Swinging Richards is a gay strip club. Mm-hmm. And um, the majority of those dancers are white. The majority of the dancers were white. And there's some rules in that space. Talk to me about it. What are the rules? So there are rules as to uh, when men are on the stage, they only get naked after like a certain number of songs and a certain, number of, a certain amount of money. And so their performance is different from this other club in that 
doing a certain, I think it's like three, I think a set's like three songs. And there are at least three strippers on the stage. And they don't get naked until after they've made a certain amount of mm-hmm. money during that three set. Mm-hmm. And then instead of the men coming to your table and giving you a private dance, you go somewhere else. Versus in this spot where we were, you got your dance right there on the spot. Okay. So I went and I got a dance. Mm-hmm. So I, I went with my best friend and some of his friends happened to be at the club that night too. Mm-hmm. And they found out it was my first time mm-hmm. at a strip club at Swinging Richards, period. And one of them was like, he was from out of town. He's from Miami, I think. And he was like, oh, we got to get you a dance. And I was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a dance. Because this is already like a hyper-masculine mm-hmm. type of environment. Like I was, there might have been maybe one other woman there. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it just was, it was kind of like the barbershop experience for me. So okay. like, I have short hair and the barbershop can be overwhelming because traditionally right. it's a, in a majority masculine space right? right so there's a lot of energy there there's a there's an unfamiliarity there um and so when the stripper came and gave me a dance it caught me off guard because he seemed like he was into me oh <laughs> uh, and because the most of the strippers at swinger richards are, are straight, straight men right yes. right which i didn't know at the time and so i was like why does he want me to touch his penis like why is he moving my hand to touch his penis this is it was a lot it was mm-hmm. it was a very layered experience mm-hmm. um so yeah i don't know so i guess reparations swinging richards is his own form of reparations, is, is own form of reparations mm-hmm. too for men for men for men but not necessarily it's only reparations not, for the black man the white man don't need reparations because they're white <laughs> that's true <laughs> <laughs> but I've I've also been to that Swinging Richards. I had my bachelor party at that Swinging Richards, mm-hmm. and it was a very boring and dead experience. Hmm. I really was there to hang out with my friends. Mm-hmm. Like there was one stripper that I saw that I was like, hmm, I wouldn't risk it all for you, but it's nice to look at you. <laughs> but the rest of them, I was like, girl, Gone. so what y'all doing late on the night? <laughs> um, so I just hung out with friends and just talked. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so. That is my philosophy around strip clubs and okay. reparations because I'm the king of bachelor parties. You are. <laughs> I don't know who named you that, but. I named myself okay. that. That's all that matters, That's honey. That's all that matters. So this has been another episode of B49, the, the podcast. podcast. Um, in true fashion, we always end our episodes with uh, an inspiring quote. And today's quote is coming from William Shakespeare huh. and Sean Carter. Okay. All that glitters is not gold. I don't make the list. Don't be mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (laughs) Bye, y'all. Bye.